Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Over 50 years ago, during a presidential election year, on a spring day in Harlem in 1968, Bobby Kennedy was running for the Democratic nomination for president. He was crisscrossing the streets in some of the poorest neighborhoods in what is called Spanish Harlem. After five hours, he was covered with dirt and sweat, and his guide was former boxing champion Jose Torres. Jose was wondering why this rich man's son would come to the ghetto and work so hard and so long, for sometimes Kennedy worked 16 hours a day campaigning through the neighborhood. So in the car at the end of one of those days, Jose leaned over to Kennedy and he asked him, why are you doing this? And Kennedy in a very low voice replied to Jose with these words, because I found out that my world wasn't the real world. Now, whatever you may think about the Kennedys, that's not where I want you to go. I want you to think about what he said. My world wasn't the real world. You see, most of us in this room have an AC. We have a sturdy house. We have clean water. We have indoor plumbing food, refrigerators, clothes and washing machines, shoes in abundance. Some of us eat not just one, but three or even four meals a day. But for a large portion of the world around us, our world isn't the real world. This morning we're going to... We're going to pick up in our series entitled Biblical Wisdom for Cultural Concerns, and we're going to be looking at this subject of poverty, more specifically the poor. We're going to dig into what God's Word teaches us about really how we're to respond to the needy and to the poor, and so I'm wondering right now if you would go ahead and take your Bibles and turn them to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, we would love for you to take a copy of God's Word. Their Bible is located in the, under the seats around you. And that is our gift to you if you would like to take that home. And if you're like, I don't want to take that one, we have some more that we would love to give to you in another place. And then also, if you're in desperate need of a study Bible and you don't have one, please contact Pastor Justin who prayed for you during the offering this morning. We'd be glad to even put one of those into your hands. We are huge proponents of the Word of God here at our church. Amen. You see, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, Moses is near the end of his life, and he is speaking to God's people. He's given the law a second time, for that's exactly what Deuteronomy means, the second law. In other words, this is the second time that God speaks to Moses and gives him the law. Moses preaches and explains to the people what God's law means as they're preparing to go into the promised land and as he's preparing to come to the end of his days. But in the middle of the second giving of the law, 
God's law tells them how they are to treat the poor. So I wonder if you would stand with me as we read from Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11. Hear now the holy word of God. Deuteronomy 15, beginning in verse 7. The Bible says these words. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, You shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need and whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart saying, the seventh year, the year of remission is near and your eye is hostile towards your poor brother and you give him nothing. Then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. You should give generously, give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him. Because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that you would take this text and reveal your heart for people. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, there's six things that we're going to cover super quickly. The six principles here about helping the poor. Some would say, hey man, what's the big deal about this? Why are we talking about the poor? Well, when we survey what people really want to hear, people want to know how the church should respond to poor people. And I think it's a fitting and appropriate subject because especially where we live. So our text this morning shares these six ideas. I want you to kind of see the first one, and that is this, that there's a sad reality of helping the poor. Sad reality of helping the poor. In verses 15, he says that if there's a poor man among you, and then he goes down to say that you shall not close your hand from your poor brother. In verse 9, he says some things about the poor. In verse 11, he says something else about the poor. The idea here is that the poor are what's on God's heart. The word poor comes from a verb. It means to want, to desire, to long for, to need. In other words, something is missing and I need it. Being poor really means then that there are unmet needs. There's unsatisfied thirst. There's unmet hunger. And the sad reality is that there are poor people and they need help. That's a very sad thing. But the idea here is, is really why? I mean, what would cause that? That's what kind of goes through our minds. I would tell you that the text here suggests that there are certain situations that may result in poverty. Certain situations may result in poverty. He says there in verse 7, he says, if there's a poor man with you. Another version of the Bible says, if there is one among you who becomes poor. And he says, if there's one among you who is your brother, he's speaking to God's people. The tribes of the people of God. And he says, if one of those people 
of the people of God becomes poor, if he becomes poor even in this land, well, what land? The promised land. I mean, this is the land of abundance. This is the land flowing with milk and honey. You see, what God is really saying is that even there, in that promised land, among those chosen, blessed people of God, there are still going to be poor people. And so the idea here is if poverty was among those people in that place, then certainly poverty will be a reality in our land amongst our people. Did you know that over 700 million people, 9.6% of the global population live below the poverty line? You're saying, oh, that's kind of out of touch. I mean, I kind of get that. Well, did you know that right here in Fayette County, the poverty level is almost the same. It is 9.1%. Did you know that 2,098 people right here in our own county live below the poverty line? And every single one of them matters to God. Poverty and hunger are realities right here in Fayette County. But why? I mean, why is it? Why does this exist? It's not because of a lack of food in our country and in our world. Can I tell you that the world produces one and one half times the amount of food to feed everyone on the planet. That would be that we produce enough food in the world to feed 10 billion people. The world hasn't reached that population and isn't estimated to do that until 2050. So the problem isn't that there isn't enough food. There is enough food to, to feed all the people and even more people than we have. It's still, millions of people don't have enough to eat. So then really, where does poverty come from? Well, certain situations may result in poverty. Like you said, if someone among you becomes poor, there are situations that are going to result in poverty. Worldwide, we know that war and violence result in poverty. The lack of education and opportunities results in poverty. Political corruption certainly can result in poverty. Did you know that there are some nations where there is plenty of food, but because the government is so corrupt... The people can't get the food. Mental illness may cause poverty. Epidemics like we've been through may cause poverty. But what about here in America? One of the most blessed lands that there is. Why is there poverty here? Well, there's been some study done, and, and, and I hate to break this to you, but the reason that there's poverty in America mainly is because we have a moral problem. I've done the research, and, and I want you to know that really what we conclude is, is the reason that there's poverty mainly in America is because of the breakdown of the home. A study published by the American Enterprise Institute for the Richer, called the Richer and Poorer found, Institute, found that 37% of income inequality can be attributed to one thing, and that's the breakup of the family. The, the, the study has been done to show this, that if you grow up with a mom and a dad, who are married, it will increase your income by $6,200 if you're a man and $4,700 if you are a woman. If you come from an intact home and marry somebody else from an intact home and you stay married, by the time you're in your mid-30s, it will bring a $42,000 difference in your family income. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Moral decisions have economic consequences. But you really want to know what causes sin? I mean, causes poverty, it's sin. Because really, sin, the centrality of sin is the reason for poverty. 
The fallen, sinful condition of humanity is the reason for poverty. We live in a very sinful world. You remember in Genesis, God created man and woman, and he put them in a garden, a perfect environment. I mean, and God called it good. He called it very good. It was perfect. Adam and Eve had a perfect uh, relationship with God. They had perfect health. They had perfect provisions, a perfect place to live. And they were perfectly just right with God. But then in chapter 3, they chose to disobey God. And they ate of the tree, which they, they shouldn't have ate at, and sin entered the world. And since then, the escalation of death, pain, hatred, sickness, and poverty continues on and on. So there's this reality of poverty. It is the part of the sinful world that we live in. So then you're saying, well, I knew that. Well, I know you knew that. So then what do we do about it? I guess that's what we're here for today. We all know that sin causes this, so what do we do about it? Well, here's the second thing I'll share. There are simple reasons for helping the poor. Why would we want to do anything if we were to do something? Why would we want to do it? Well, the first one simply is this. It's a command to obey. You can't read verses like 7 through 11 in the Bible where God says, I command you and not conclude that it's a command. (laughs) Let me just tell you what this means in, in really simple English. If God's told us to do it, we need to do it. This is the reason we help the poor. Not because we feel bad. That's a great reason. Really because God said so. It's a command to obey. Another simple reason is that there's a common objective. The text says if one of your brothers, if one of your own brothers, in other words, if one of your own, the people of God, if one of the own people of God are poor, you're supposed to help them. And we're supposed to do good, especially to the household of faith. Galatians 6.10 says it this way. So then while we have opportunity, let's do good to all people and especially to those who are the household of faith. James 2, 14 through 17 says these words, What use is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? In the same way, faith also, if it has no works, is dead by by being itself. In other words, the Bible says that if we have people in our own midst that have needs and we don't give them what they need, we just say, God will help you then our faith is really not faith. God goes even further because he says every person is made in the image of God. He says there, if there's any in the land living with you. And that's the, the idea here is, is that every single person has been created in the image of God and every single person therefore is valuable. And so that every person's needs seem, need to be met by the people of God especially. We should be willing to help the poor because they're valuable and they're created in God's image. God tells us this when he, when he says, Proverbs 17, 5, he says, One who mocks the poor taunts his maker. God understands that the poor have been created in his image. He's made them. And so when we don't meet the needs of the poor, it's like we're just insulting God because we don't see them as image bearers. There's this commonality amongst us all that we are the image bearers of God. And that's why we should help the poor. 
Then the last thing is it's a constant opportunity. It's constant. In verse 11, he says that the poor will never cease to be in the land. There's never going to be an opportunity. There's never, I mean, not going to be a time where there's an opportunity. There's never going to be a time when the poor just kind of cease to be. It's everywhere. It's every day. It's all around us until the time of Christ. In other words, in Matthew 26, 11, Jesus said this, for you will always have the poor with you. God knew that because of sin. And until sin's eradicated, poor people won't be eradicated or poverty won't be eradicated. So, so there's this reality and there's reasons why. So then what should we do? Well, thirdly, there's a sensitive response to helping the poor. What is our role? Go back and let's read verses 7 through 10 in your Bibles. It says, if there's a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land... Which the Lord God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need and whatever he lacks. Beware, though, that there's no base thought in your heart saying, The seventh year, the year of remission is near, and your eye is hostile towards your brother, and you give him nothing, and then he may cry out to the Lord against you, and it'll be a sin to you. And then he says, You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, for this thing the Lord your God will bless. So we respond really to poverty kind of in two ways. We, first of all, help open handed, sufficiently, not selfishly. We help open-handed sufficiently, not selfishly. God says when, when God's people see someone in need, we are to open our hand and give. He says specifically here that we're to open our hand and lend them, which means that maybe there's this possibility that they might be able to give us back what we give to them. But if they do or they don't, we're still to give. And we're not just to give a little bit. We're to give to meet sufficiently for their needs. When someone is poor and hungry or hurting, our role is to make sure they have enough to meet their need. We're to open our hands, but then also we're to help open-hearted, graciously, not grudgingly. Before you start with the objections, which I know some may have, I want you to know that I know that having an open hand and an open heart doesn't mean having a soft head. Paul says that there are some circumstances when people shouldn't receive our help. We have to look at the entire counsel of God's word when we talk about these kind of things. For in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, the Bible says this, For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. The key here is if somebody is not willing It's not that they're not able, but they're not willing. If a person can work but won't, we shouldn't help them. But aren't we really helping them? If we we really just give to them when they're able to work but they don't, then we just really continue to be what in their lives? We just continue to be these enablers. But God says if a person who can work and is willing to work, and is in need, we're to give. But if they can and they don't, we're not. And here's the truth of the matter. If a person who can work gets hungry enough or needy enough, they'll find work. 
That being said, if there's a genuine need and a willingness to work, we're to have an open heart and to give without a bad attitude. The Bible says there, he talks about that if you think about the seventh year, the year of remission, and you know that, that that's going to be happening, that your eye begins to be hostile towards your brother and you give him nothing, the Bible says something about that. You see, the seventh year was the year when all debts were canceled. So if somebody gave somebody something in the seventh year, then that meant that they basically would give it to them for free. If I gave you something in the seventh year, all debts were canceled. So therefore, when, when the seventh year was over, you owed me nothing back in return. And so a lot of people would wait to ask for these big needs in the seventh year. And God says, even then, if your brother or sister is in need, even in the seventh year, when there's no chance of ever being paid back. God says, don't withhold from them. Because if you withhold from anyone when they ask and they're able and willing to work and they they do that, if you don't give to them when they ask or when you see that need, God says it would be sin to you. He says, open up your heart. Don't think bad things about needy people. That's what God's saying. But man, we sit back sometimes and we judge people who are so needy. He says, that shouldn't be your heart because that's not God's heart towards needy people. In other words, we're getting close to Christmas. Don't don't be the Grinch. Don't just hold on to stuff. So this reality and the reasons and the response. But then let's look what happens when we do. I mean, because there's got to be something good that happens when we do. And that's why fourthly we say there are sure rewards for helping the poor. God's, God's the ones that's keeping account. He knows and sees and blesses accordingly. Verse 10, he says this, because for this thing, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. If we meet the criteria above that we have an open hand and an open heart, God says he will bless us. God says he will bless everything that we do. And here's what's so cool about that. You know this as well as, as I do. When you're doing the right things and God's blessing you, he's blessing you so that you can give more away. That's what he does. God blesses us so that we can bless others. It's really cool when the people who help people have more opportunities to help people. It's the way God does this. In other words, God said, I get really excited about people helping the poor because I love the poor. Psalm 41.1 says this, Blessed is one who considers the helpless. The Lord will save him on a day of trouble. Psalm 14, 21 says, the one who despises his neighbor's sins, but the one who is gracious to the poor is blessed. Proverbs 19, 17 says this, one who is gracious to a poor person lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deed. Proverbs 22, 9 says, one who is generous will be blessed because he gives some of his food to the poor. Acts 20, 35, and everything I showed you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than what, church? And to receive, you know that. Man, why wouldn't we want to give with those kind of promises? Why wouldn't we want to help people if God says, man, this is the way that I'll bless you? And you've got to understand it's not to bless you so that you can keep it. It's God says, hey, you're a person I can trust. And there's a whole bunch of other needy people. So if I bless you, I know you're the one that's going to bless others. There's this fifth thing that there's a stunning reminder of not helping the poor. A stunning reminder. 
God says that when we don't help the poor, this is a big and serious deal to him. And and really, that tells us that this, it's a revealer of sin. When you and I don't help the poor, it's one of the ways that God reveals sin. In verse 9, he says it very clearly. And you, if you give him nothing, then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it would be a sin. Interesting words here. He said it would be a sin in you. See, God is watching, and and when we don't help, that person will cry out to the Lord, and it will be a sin in you. The reason for this is because our God is a giving and loving God. He wants His love to be sensed and felt by others. And the way that God loves other people is through His church. He wants us to help others. And out of what He has provided, He wants us to bless others. Remember through the series about the financial thing that we did, it doesn't belong to us. Nothing belongs to us. It's from God. And God wants us to take what He's given to us to give it to other people. He wants to reveal His heart to people who are in need. That's God's heart. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. This comes down to, this is a matter of do we reflect Jesus or not? Matthew 5.42 says, Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. This is the very heart and the way of Christ. We should love and give as Christ loved and gave, but if we don't, it is sin for us. Not only is it a revealer of sin, it's also a revealer of salvation. This is going to be troublesome for some. As mentioned earlier, this is really about the heart. So for someone to close their heart to the poor, (laughs) suggests that they may never really open their heart to Christ. say, are you sure about that? Yeah. Because 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says it this way. But whoever has worldly goods and sees his brother and sister in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God remain in him? See, the Bible says if we see people who are in need, and we just close our heart to that, that we truly don't know the love of God ourselves, that we don't know God in a saving way, because we are called to be Christians, and that's little Christ, and Christ always had a heart for the poor. You see, at the same time, we have to see that when we're giving to poor people, we're really giving to Jesus. So therefore, if I don't want to give to the poor, I really don't want to give to Jesus. And if I say that I love Jesus and I don't want to give to Jesus, then it's really saying that I don't love Jesus. Because Matthew 25 says these words in verses 35 through 40, for I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger invite you in or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick in prison and come to you? 
King will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it to me. See, if Christ was here on the earth today and we saw him and he was poor and in need, would we give to him? Probably so. And that's exactly his point. If we really love Christ, when we give to our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's just like we're giving to Christ himself. And if we don't, it's because we may not even know this Christ. 2 Corinthians verse 8 and 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that through His poverty, you might become rich. This is the Gospel. That we die to ourselves and consider other more, more important than ourselves. That we give what we have been blessed with for the glory of God. So, so I want to just challenge you today that if your heart is just callous towards poor people and you just judge them, can I just challenge you? That is not the heart and way of Christ. So then, let's kind of practically apply this. What are some, some ways that we can do the book? Well, how do we do this? First of all, I would tell you, man, ask God to give you a greater love for poor people. We've talked about this before. It's a part of our, our, our strategy, a part of our really our values here at First Baptist Church. In other words, we've got to see people how Jesus sees them so that we can love them how Jesus loves them. So when it starts, man, if, if I don't feel my, my heart being compelled to poor people, then I pray, God, give me a greater love for poor people. Have you ever been in a foreign country? Man, I've been in a foreign country and I've seen some poverty like nobody's business and, and I've sometimes just kind of closed my eyes to it because it's just too much. God, I just can't, I can't believe that people live like this. But we have to ask God for a greater love for them that will compel us to be involved. Sometimes when we see poverty, we, we get resentful, we get prideful, we get skeptical. We just say, well, why are they in that position? Well, I bet they did this. Well, if they do that. But no, we have to have God's heart for them. God is always looking at their heart, not what they're doing. And just ask God practically to give you a greater love. Here's another thing. Err on the side of generosity. If you're going to err, man, err with grace. <laughs> Can I tell you this? You can be taken advantage of by some poor people. And it is true. But can I tell you this? It is never a mistake to be kind. It is never a mistake with God to be generous. It is never a mistake to try to love somebody in Jesus' name, even if you're taken advantage of. It is never wrong to be like Jesus. Something else you can do is support or serve ministries that provide help. Support those ministries that help people that are poor and help people hear the gospel. I mean, here's the idea. If, if we don't regularly attend to the, the poor and the needy, if we only just study and worship and don't serve those people who are poor and needy, you and I will never become like Jesus because who did He surround Himself with? The poor and the needy! So here, how do you do that here at this church, man? Well, there's the Amen Food Pantry in here in town, and I can tell you this, they love help. 
They love helping poor people. They love helping the people in this city, man. So you give food or you can go give your time. Second Chance Ministries is another huge ministry in our town that you can get plugged into. You saw us running advertisements. You saw us trying to figure out if there's anybody in our church that can help go over to Second Chance and just serve the needy in our community. There's this thing called Feed the Need. They, they meet on Monday nights. They used to meet over at the park. They, they just feed people hamburgers a lot of times in the city. You can get information about that. Just go to Feed the Need and you'll see what happens. You can be involved in that. Church, here a while back, we, you know, we went on this mission trip to the border and we collected all those precious backpacks, but there are more opportunities that are coming your way. We can help poor people in the other parts of the world. Alex Stoon is going to be here on the 24th that evening at 5 o'clock and he's going to talk to us about his ministry there in Russia. There are needy people in Russia. You can help support him and that would be a way that you can give. Operation Christmas Child, those boxes, you've taken them all but two. Praise God, you're, you're a great giving people. Those are given to poor kids around the world. But you're doing it, but you can do it again. Stitch, S-T-C-H, stands for South Texas Children Home. Did you know that, man, when you give to the budget here at this church, a portion of it is sent on to our association and it's directly sent to South Texas Children's Home where poor, needy, orphaned kids get help. When you give to the regular offering, you're already giving to help the poor. That's another reason why you should tithe. It's another reason why you should give. Did you know that you can be a part of Texas Baptist Men Disaster Relief? That's coming. We're going to give you more information on that. Tim Pilot and I are going to present some stuff to you about how you can go help poor people, especially when the hurricanes come in poor, devastated areas, man. We need to go help. We're the people of God. We should be the first to respond. Benevolence ministry, there are opportunities here at the church that you can just say, hey, you know what? I really don't know. I really am not aware. But man, I know that you might know. So here's some money. Here, just take it. Just take it and give. If you want to do that, that's even fine. We will take your money and we will say, hey, here's a need. And then we'll let you know how we used your money to help people if that's how you want to do it. But lastly, can I just tell you this? Allow God to lead you in each circumstance. There's something one pastor shared with me a long time ago that's kind of helped me. When it comes to helping poor people, Jesus didn't call you to be a detective. He called you to be a disciple. I don't have to figure out why they're, where they're at. Man, if the Holy Spirit's led me to help them, I help them, and I don't have to figure out why they're where they're at. What you and I do for Jesus is never wasted. Jeremy, I wonder if you guys would come. An early Christian philosopher from Athens named Aristides was summoned to the Roman Emperor Hadrian in AD 125. He was to defend Christians in the empire to those who misunderstood their message, even those who despised what they believed about Jesus and God and salvation. And so Aristides is standing before the emperor, and what proof could he give for his faith? I mean, what, what could he say? What could he say in defense of the goodness and the honor of Jesus Christ? So he, he thought of this, and he decided to talk about something that no one could deny among true believers. And this is the fact that they always took care of poor people. He wrote these words in AD 125. He said about believers. He said, they love one another. 
The widow's needs are not ignored. And they rescue the orphan from the person who does him violence. He who has gives to him who has not. Ungrudgingly and without boasting. If you'll read the New Testament, there's something that just keeps coming up over and over again. When Paul was church planning and when the the early apostles are meeting together and they're sending letters out to these other places, you're going to see this come up. And they tell each other, whatever you do, just remember the poor. You're going to see it. Remember the poor. So I wonder today, would you just remember the poor? Why are believers the ones that are so caring? Because they understand that it's a part of following Jesus. I wonder today if you were in need, if you found yourself in need, would what you've already given to help other people would that be enough to meet your need? Or said differently, if one of you were to leave here today and come under such circumstances that you began to be in need, how would you want this church to respond to you? That's how you need to respond to every poor person you meet. Because we are to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Would you stay on your feet and would you pray with me? Lord, I'm grateful today that Jesus, you came. To all of us who are really poor and needy, we are so bankrupt in our sin, so need of a Savior, but you because of your great love for us, met us right where we were at and gave us grace upon grace. Lord, may First Baptist be the kind of people that reflect your heart. If there's someone today that is in your need, in need within the sound of my voice, God, today, through the internet, through the radio, God, through, through just listening here, God, I pray that they would understand and know that you're a God who loves them Hopefully, God, today, I pray that you've spoken loudly to our hearts that we would see how to meet their needs. Speak now as we respond to you. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.